Uh, good afternoon. Welcome once again to our Bible study. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew in chapter 24. And today we'll be covering verses 32 through 42. And in the study today, we're going to see that Jesus once again is speaking to his disciples about disciples. And what we're going to see in today's lesson is that Jesus is going to speak on the rapture of the church. So let's kind of go back and review what we've been doing the last several weeks. We first started off in the book of Matthew 24 where Jesus is on the Mount of Olives and he's speaking to his disciples. And in verses 4 through 15, he's speaking to disciples about disciples. In other words, he's telling his disciples about the disciples of that generation right in the last days before the wrath of God takes place. So that's what we see in verses 4 through 15 where he says, you're going to see all these birth pains that take place, right? You're going to be deceived, and the deception is going to come within the church, we had said. Then you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, and there's going to be diseases and pestilence, right? All those things, but he said, this is not the end, because the end is going to happen when the gospel is preached throughout the whole world. Then, he said, the end will come. The end of what? The end of the church age is what he's talking about. So he's talking about the rapture of the church. But we see a change in verse 15. Because in verse 15, we see that the lawless man, right? The, the Antichrist goes into the temple. More importantly, goes into the Holy of Holies. The most sacred place in the temple and declares himself to be God. And he tells everybody, you need to worship me and only me, right? But in verse 16, Jesus says, he's no longer speaking about disciples. He's still speaking to his disciples, but he's speaking to his disciples about the Jewish people and the nation of Israel in verses 16 through 31. And there he's speaking of the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of God. And we know that all power, the Father gives all power to His Son Jesus, right? In those times. So Jesus is the one that's pouring out the wrath in verses 16 through 31. And who's that for? It's for the nation of Israel and the Jewish people, right? In other words, so they can trust in God and come to faith in Him and believe. Because God gave us a promise that there's a remnant of His people, of the nation of Israel, that will come to faith in Messiah, Yeshua, in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So He has to put them through this pain and this suffering and all the wrath of God, basically, right? For them to turn back to Him. And we know that there's going to be a third of the Jewish people that flee because in verse 16 Jesus says when you see the abomination that causes desolation happen flee to the wilderness he says flee to the mountains and we know that one third of the Jewish people flees but two thirds ends up staying in Israel and those two thirds end up dead they're put to death right because either they're going to rebel they won't they won't worship the Antichrist they won't worship Right? This beast, this empire that comes into power with this leader, this antichrist, they're going to rebel. And when they rebel, this is going to anger this antichrist. And what he's going to do? 
He's controlled by Satan, remember. He's going to kill the Jewish people. And it's going to be worse than the Holocaust, right? So it's going to be the worst persecution of humans ever to take place on the face of this earth. But now we see a change again. In verses 30 through 32 through 42, we see that Jesus, once again, He's still speaking to His disciples. But once again, He goes back about disciples of that generation. So once again, He's speaking to disciples about disciples, about believers, right? And He's going to speak to us today on the rapture of the church. So that being said, open up your Bibles to Matthew 24. And let's read verses 32 through 42, and this is what it says. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the doors. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with the hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, Jesus says, keep watch. Because... You do not know on what day or hour your Lord will come. So let's go back to verse 32 and let's look at it and break this down and see the message that Jesus is trying to tell us today. Jesus says this in verse 32. He says, learn this lesson from the fig tree, right? Now, who's the fig tree, you say? What is the fig tree? The fig tree is talking about the nation of Israel, right? Because when you study the prophecy of the prophet Hosea, Hosea constantly calls Israel a fig tree. So what Jesus is talking about here is very important. It means that we should be keeping a watch on the nation of Israel. Why, you say? Because Israel will go through a change, right? Whereby we know that we're going to see that we are approaching the end times. And, and, and you say, why is that? You know, Because Jesus is telling us here, He's commanding us to keep an eye on all these things. What is He talking about all these things? What He talked about in verses 4 through 15. But He also says this, besides all those things I talked about in verses 4 through 15, He also says keep an eye on Israel. Because you see, in the last days, Israel will prosper. So God is commanding us. It is command from our Lord and Savior that we are to be watching the fig tree. We are to be watching the nation of Israel, right? And look what else he says. As soon as its twigs or branches get tender and the leaves come out, or some of your Bibles might say 
go forth. So what this means is that the fig tree is fixing to produce fruit. It's fixing to give fruit. So what should we get from this? What should we learn from all of this? In other words, what Jesus is saying is this. When Israel is prosperous, in other words, Israel for the most part has returned back to its borders, the people, right? The nation of Israel will be flourishing, right? This is when we can expect this prophecy to begin. Now, we know this, that in 1948, Israel became a nation again. It became a country. It was recognized, right, by the world as a nation. And people started flocking back to Israel since 1948. However, as the days go on, you hear more and you see more and more of the Jewish people fleeing back and going back and moving back to the promised land, moving back into Israel. Now you might say, well, is Israel flourishing today? I believe Israel is flourishing today. But as the scripture says, we're going to continue to see Israel even flourish even more where Israel is prosperous, right? So we can say that this prophecy has already begun, right? Then look what else he says. He says, you know that the summer is near. Now, summer in the Hebrew language simply means the end. So if we go back in our lesson in verses 4 through 15 of chapter 24 in the book of Matthew, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, right, about what believers will experience in that last generation of the church age. That's what Jesus is speaking about. But we see a change in verse 16 through 31. Because Jesus is no longer talking about the church. He's still talking to his disciples. But he's telling them about what the nation of Israel and the Jewish people will experience in the last days. At the wrath of God. Before the second coming of Jesus, right? Now in this section here, he turns back to his disciples to speak to his disciples about what they're going to experience before the wrath of God. In other words, before the rapture of the church. So, so he commands all of his followers who are alive in, in those last days. He says, you need to be watching this fig tree. You need to be watching all the signs, the birth pains that took place that are talked about in verses 4 through 15. Because when all those things happen and Israel is prosperous, in other words, the Jewish people have moved back to the land. Israel as a nation is flourishing, right? And we see that today they are. He says, this is a clue. He's telling us, basically, that the rapture of the church is near. That the rapture of the church is fixing to happen, right? Now, verse 33. Even so, he says, when you see all these things, you know that the end is near. Right at the doors. So let's look at that first text where he says, even so, when you see all these things, what are all these things that he's speaking about? What well, we learn in verses 4 through 15 and what he just told us about the nation of Israel, about how they're going to prosper and look at the fig tree, right? Because it's about to produce fruit. Look what else he says. You know that it is near, right 
at the doors. Now this is speaking about of Jesus. He's speaking about the rapture. He's speaking about the end of the church age. Look at the word doors in plural. Your Bibles, some of your Bibles might say door, but it should be doors with an S, right? It simply means that this, that Jesus is coming to all believers' houses, to all their homes. He's coming to gather them up and to remove them from this world before he pours out his wrath on this world. So this is speaking of the rapture of the church. Because remember what we learned in 1 Thessalonians 5.9. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 states this. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So we see that the rapture must happen before the wrath of God. And when will this happen? Right? When will all this happen? We know this, there's a sign that he gives us in verse 15. When, when the abomination of desolation happens, when the Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies, when he declares himself God, he says, worship me, sacrifice me. He will stop all sacrifice, all prayer, and says, worship me, sacrifice for me, towards me. Declare allegiance to me. Because I'm the God of this world. That's what he's going to say, right? He will declare that everyone take the mark of the beast to show loyalty towards him, towards that empire that he represents, right? Again, remember, in the last days when this takes place, the world's going to be in total chaos, right? Because all these birth pains that Jesus talked about in verses 4 through 15, and understand this, the church is going through that. We can't escape the birth pains. But when he comes into the Holy of Holies, right? Either right before that happens or right after that happens, when he goes into the Holy of Holies, that's when the rapture of the church will occur. Now, some scholars believe it's going to happen right at the very beginning of that seven-year tribulation period. But some scholars believe it's going to happen sometime either right before the abomination or right after the abomination that causes desolation. Right? I believe it's going to happen a little later. Because if you look at the story of the ten virgins, five were prepared and five not, right? And they kept on saying, where's the bridegroom? Where's the bridegroom? But the bridegroom was delayed. I think that's a sign that's showing us that, that Jesus will be delayed before the wrath of God takes place, right? Through all these birth pains. And all these birth pains are going to be taking place and the world's going to be in total chaos and people's going to be saying, where's Jesus? All believers are going to be saying, he's supposed to come. Where is he? Well, he didn't forget about us. He's coming. It's just he works on his own timetable, right? But he goes, this Antichrist goes into the Holy of Holies. He declares himself God. He says, take the mark of the beast. In other words, show me the loyalty towards me and my nation, right? And we know this. He's controlled by the devil. And we know this. The Bible says this, that if you don't take the mark of the beast, then you're going to be put to death. And if you don't get your head chopped off or shot or put to death, then you're going to starve. Why? Because the system's going to be in place. And I believe it's going to be some type of digital system. It's going to take place, some kind of scan board. Because the Bible says in the book of Revelation, you can't buy, you can't sell without this mark. And this is in place today, people. Don't think it's not. Because we're starting to see this. You see, when the Antichrist comes onto the scene, everything's going to be laid out for him. And he's just going to walk in and take control. And the system's going to be in place. 
And we know this, that if you don't take the mark of the beast, you can't buy, you can't sell. In other words, how are you going to make a living? How are you going to eat? Because he's going to say this, if you take the mark, then the government's going to provide for you, right? The government's going to fund you. The government's going to feed you. The government's going to take care of you. Boy, don't we see that heading that way right now with our nation, right? And there's many nations across the world where the government already controls them. And we one of the few nations left in this world where the government does not control the people. But you see, they're trying real hard to get this system in place, right? See, and those of us that understand the Bible and understand Bible prophecy, we can see the book unfolding right in front of our eyes today. But you see, the sad part is this. The majority of the population of today, they don't even know what's going on, right? So there's going to be a lot of believers left because they won't be raptured up. And when he comes into power and says, take the beast, you see, there's not going to be no deception about what's the mark of the beast. You won't have people saying, is this the mark? He's going to tell you it's the mark. Because he's going to let you know, if you take this, you will be provided for by the government. The government will take care of you if you take the mark. But the Bible says if you take the mark of the beast, that you are going straight to hell because you are declaring allegiance and loyalty towards Satan and his kingdom instead of Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. Right? So he's going to go into the Holy of Holies. He says, take the mark of the beast. And at some point, either before or after, the rapture of the church happens. Right? And when the rapture of the church happens, who's left? The nation of Israel because 90-something percent of the Jewish population, they don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. They believe in God. They believe in Yahweh, I am, but they don't believe in the Messiah, in Yeshua. Right? So what's going to happen is they're going to be left with the majority of the world for, for, for three and a half years or seven years if you, if, if you believe it happens at the beginning of the tribulation period, right? But for, for sure, for three and a half years, you're going to be having, if you don't take the mark of the beast, and there's going to be some people, the Bible says, that doesn't take the mark of the beast. They're going to come to faith in Yeshua. I know the Jewish nation won't, the Jewish people won't, because they're going to rebel, because they believe in one God, Yahweh. Right? And two-thirds will be put to death, we know from the Apostle John in the book of Revelation, right? And, and the book of Zechariah. But one-third does what? They flee. And God's going to protect them, just like He protected the Israelites in Goshen. He's going to protect them for the last three and a half years of that tribulation period. Verse 34. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Until all these things have happened, right, he says. What things are he referring to here? He's referring to what we learn in verses 4 through 15 and what he talked about, about the fig tree blooming, producing fruit, right? In other words, what brings about an end to this age of this generation? This generation that he's talking about. The generation he's talking about is the church age. And what brings an end to it is the rapture of the church, right? See, just like in Pentecost, the church was formed, right? Where they started speaking in tongues, the Holy Spirit had a hold of them, right? However, 
The church age is going to end just that quick. And it's going to end with a twinkling of an eye. It's going to end with the rapture of the church. So he says, truly I tell you, the generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. What things? The birth pains that he's talking about and what he's talking about here with the nation of Israel and the fig tree producing fruit. Verse 35. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, he says, will never pass away. So he's telling us right here that we can be assured that his words are true. That his words will be fulfilled. Also, we know that they have eternal consequences, his words, right? What does that mean? In other words, it has kingdom connection. In other words, it is the kingdom and those that experience the kingdom, those that believe, those that trust, right? Those that have faith in Messiah Yeshua. They're going to receive eternal blessings because they're the recipients of what God has planned for us, right? All these things are written in His words. That's what He means by this, right? Now, in the next several verses, we're going to get to the heart of what this Bible study is. And that's the rapture of the church. And remember, there's two events. And a lot of people confuse these events. They confuse the rapture of the church with the second coming, but we know that there are two different events. We know that the rapture of the church happens before the wrath of God. But the second coming happens after God's wrath, right? And remember what we learned the last several weeks, right? Especially last week and the week before. <clears throat> that when the rapture of the church happens, there's going to be a lot of cosmic activity going on. In other words, the sun will be dark, but the moon will be what? Blood red, if you remember. But you said the second coming... The sun is still dark. However, the moon is no longer blood red. The moon is also dark. So we can say at the second coming of Jesus, there's total darkness in the world. When Jesus Christ, Yeshua, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, the Lion from the tribe of Judah, when He returns, the whole world will be dark. Why? Because when He returns, and he steps out of heaven and into this atmosphere, into the clouds, into the sky, the whole world will be lit up. Why? Because Jesus Christ, Messiah Yeshua, is the light of this world. So we can see that there's two different events, the rapture and the second coming, that happens at two different times, right? So, so again, we see here that Jesus is speaking to his, to his disciples, believers, about believers. And he's speaking about that which will happen prior to the wrath of God. So it is before the wrath that the rapture will occur. And after the wrath of God, we have what we know as the second coming of Jesus, right? Where he's coming back to do what? To condemn the evilness. To get rid of evil. Right? To pass judgment on this world. To set up the millennial kingdom. That will eventually usher in. The eternal kingdom of God. That new city. That new heaven. And the new earth. That he's going to send down to this earth. Verse 36 says this. But about the day or hour no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven nor the son. But only the father. Right? So let's look at that first text. And he says... But about the day of the hour, no one knows. Now, this is speaking of the rapture. 
So just because we don't know the date or the hour, we can see that there are things that have to happen before this takes place. What things, you say? All those things that we talked about in verses 4 through 15 and today. In verse 32. About the fig tree flourishing and producing fruit. About the nation of Israel, right? But look what else he says. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father knows. So no one knows, but only the Father, when the rapture of the church will take place. How do I know he's speaking about the rapture of the church? Here it is right here in verse 37 on down for the rest of this lesson. Verse 37 says this, As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be the coming of the Son of Man. Now as it was in the days of Noah. Now why is this so important, you ask? Because when we speak about the days of Noah, we know that this is prior to the flood. In other words, prior to God pouring down His wrath on this earth. Because remember, God poured His wrath on this earth a couple of times before, and this is one where He wanted to get rid of all of humanity. But He found one righteous person in Noah and Noah's family. And because Noah was righteous, because Noah walked with God, God said, I'm going to spare Noah and his family. And because I spare Noah and his family, I'm going to spare male and female of every animal on this earth that I've created. And we're going to start all over again, right? So we know that this has happened, as in the days of Noah, this happened prior to the flood. And prior to the flood, what was Noah doing? The scripture tells us that Noah was preaching about the righteousness of God. About the righteousness of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of God. Right? He was telling people basically to repent. To turn back to God. He was speaking of righteousness. Noah was a righteous individual. He was a righteous man that walked with God. That had faith in God. True faith. Right? And we know that the righteousness of God manifests our unrighteousness. Right? You see, and because I know that I'm unrighteous, I'm a sinner. Right? We all sinners. See, I'm, because I know this, I need to repent. I need to seek God's mercy. I need to seek His grace and His forgiveness. And we, we, we must want to obey God because we're so unrighteous. We must want to follow Him and believe in Him and have faith in Him. Right? See, Noah had that. Noah did that. But you see, the generation in Noah's time, they didn't listen. They were evil. They were wicked. They lived for the flesh, right? And what Jesus is saying here, just like in Noah's time, this generation, at the end of this church age, right? At the end of, of this generation, as we know, not the end of the world, because this world's not ending, but the end of this generation, the rapture of the church, he's saying, right? See, the generation at that time is going to be just like in Noah's time. People's going to be living for the flesh. They're not going to be repenting. They're not going to be spending time with Jesus. They're not going to let the Holy Spirit live inside of them and dwell within them and let the Holy Spirit just guide them. That's what he's saying. They're going to be living in shame. They're going to be cruel. They're going to be judgmental, right? They're going to be cold towards people. They won't show love. 
And we know this, that as a follower of Christ, you need to love people. Why? Because God is love. Jesus is love. You believe in God, believe in me, Jesus says, right? God is love, so Jesus is love. And you're a disciple of Jesus, so you have to show love towards your brother, towards your sister, right? But you see this generation, just like in Noah's time, they won't do that. They're going to be cold. And they're going to call evil good. And they're going to support what is evil and say it's good. And they're going to say what is good and what is righteous is unrighteous and it's not good. Right? It's just going to be backwards. That's what he's saying. You see, although these people, they witnessed Noah for 120 years building the ark. And for 120 years, he was building the ark with his family, but he was also preaching about the righteousness of God. But you see, nobody listened to Noah. Just Noah's family did. And Noah's family, they repented. So because of their righteousness, because they obeyed God, because they, were, they repented, because they believed and had faith, God allowed them to enter that ark when He was finished building. See, God saved them. And the Bible goes on to tell us, you see, what Noah that closed the door of that ark. But it was God that closed the door of the ark. Genesis 7.16 He says, And the Lord shut him in. God saved him. See, and just like God saved Noah and his families, He's going to save those believers, those who repent, those who have a relationship with His Son Jesus at the end of the church age. Right? See, and Noah and his family was saved from the flood. And that is a picture of what is to come at the end of the church age with the rapture of the church. Now why do I say this? Well look at the rest of the verse. So he says, So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. This is speaking of the rapture. You see, just like God told Noah, build the ark. And after the ark was built, seven days before the flood. Why seven? Seven means holy, sanctification, holiness, right? Perfect. God said, Noah, go in the ark with your family. And God sent the animals to the ark. Noah didn't have to go get them. God sent the animals because it's God. Right? He can do anything. And just like He saved those animals and He saved Noah and He saved Noah's family, He's going to save believers before the wrath of God take place right he's going to remove believers from this earth before Jesus Christ the Lamb of God right pours out the wrath on this entire earth verse 38 for in the days before the flood people were eating and drinking they were marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark so people were doing all these things prior to the flood, right? Before Noah and his family entered the ark. That's what the scripture is telling us here. He says people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Now, all these things that Jesus is talking about here are normal occurrences, right? Things were unchanged at that time. It was normal life, right? So, so how do we know that all this happened before the wrath of God, before the flood? Because when the flood came, no one was doing this. Because the flood wiped out all of humanity, right? So this had to happen before the flood. 
I mean, when the flood came, no one was getting married, right? I mean, people weren't eating and drinking, right? Why? Because the flood had come. They were all drowning. They were in a panic. There was chaos. They were drowning, right? Now, when we read the second part of the book of Revelation by the Apostle John, he speaks about those trumpeting and bold judgments, right? And when we look at those events that he speaks about in the book of Revelation, we know that they are not natural. They are clearly supernatural events that have no scientific explanation behind it. There are things that everyone, and we read this and we studied this in the book of Revelation, everyone will say when it's taking place, this has to be from God, God is angry. This is God's wrath. But you know what the Apostle John tells us in the book of Revelation? These people in the last days that are left after the rapture of the church still will not repent. They will not seek Jesus because they're going to declare allegiance to the devil that's working through this Antichrist, that's working through this leader of this beast, this empire. Now at this time, right, they're going to be carrying on as normal. They, they won't be having weddings or banquets, right? In other words, it, it, it will not be life as normal, life as usual. Why? Because it's going to be in chaos if you read the book of Revelation. See, Jesus is saying, just like in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be for the wrath of God. They're going to be partying and marrying and, and giving in marriage and living for the flesh, what he's saying. But when the wrath of God hits... It's going to be total chaos. They're going to be fearing. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be pain. There's going to be death. Why? Because of the trumpet and bold judgments that's being poured out on this earth. Look what else Jesus says. Up to that day that Noah entered the ark. Now according to the book of Genesis, Noah and his family entered the ark seven days before the flood. Right? Then once they entered the ark, God closed the door. And seven days after, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. In other words, God pulled out His wrath on this earth. Now understand this, that the world at that time was the Middle East in Noah's time, right? So we see that He destroyed the earth with the flood, with water. Verse 39. So, so let's go back and review what, what Jesus is saying, basically. What he's saying here is this. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, up to the day that Noah entered the ark. So we know that this happens prior to the wrath of God. That's the message that Jesus wants us to see here, right? Verse 39. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now, let's look at that first text. There's a lot going on here. And that's why a lot of people get mixed up with scriptures. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came. Now, who is he speaking of here? He's speaking about the society in Noah's time. In other words, they didn't know when the flood would came. They, they knew that Noah was building an ark, right? And Noah kept telling them about the righteousness of God. He kept telling them basically to repent, to get right with God. But you know what these people did? They laughed. They, not, 
They mocked Noah. They made fun of Noah. They said, man, this man's crazy. We out here in a desert. And up to that time, we didn't even know if they had even rain on this earth up to that time. And they, he, that, this, this guy's building an ark that's four football fields long, right? So they didn't listen to Noah. They mocked him, right? And look what it says. And they took them all away. Now, that's why a lot of people miss, miss, miss the message here. And, and they, they, where they don't know and they don't know how to interpret Scripture, they mess up. Took them all away. In Hebrew, simply means to lift up. So this is not speaking about all the people that died in the flood. All the unrighteous people. That's not what Jesus is speaking about here. When he says and took them all away, this is referring to Noah and his family. Why? Because in Hebrew, the term took them away or lift up. That's what it means. It's to lift them up. So when it moves them away or take them away, it simply means to lift them up. So God raised up Noah and his family to save them. You see, they were above the floodwaters. They were in that ark. And look what he says. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is saying, this is how it's going to be at the end of the church age before God's wrath. That's what Jesus is saying in these last couple of scriptures here, right? In other words, he will lift up the righteous. Just like he did Noah and his families, he will lift up believers. Why? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.9, the Apostle Paul tells us that we are not appointed to wrath, but what? Salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Verse 40. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken and the other left. Now in the field, this symbolizes work. So we see here that people will be going about their daily routine. They're going to work. Right? And one will be taken. In other words, the righteous. The person that believes in Jesus Christ. Yeshua. The Messiah. They're going to be raptured up. And the unbeliever will be left on this earth to face the wrath of God. Just like God took Noah and his family and lifted them up. He left the rest to drown. But he helped Noah and his family. He lifted them up above the waters in that ark. God's going to lift us up to what? To heaven. That's what he's saying here, right? So we see here that people will be going about their daily routines. So again, this gives more proof that this is happening before the wrath of God takes place. Before the wrath of God hits this earth. Life as we know it will not be the same once the wrath hits. Right? Why? Because there's going to be panic, chaos, and fear. The last thing that people's going to be doing is living a normal life. Let's use the example of COVID-19. When COVID-19 hit, the world basically shut down and people started to fear and people started to be in a panic. Life as we knew it then was not the same. And that's not even the birth pains from Jesus. That's not even the wrath of God from the Lamb, from the Son, Jesus. It's not. That was just a test to see how we would do, to see how we would fare, right? 
And you saw the panic and the fear in people. And life wasn't normal. So just imagine diseases and pestilence and wars and earthquakes and natural disasters, right? People being deceived. All of this taking place at the same time. Wars and rumors of wars. All of this taking place at the same time. You think people's going to be living a normal life? No. Will not be. Right? So it just gives more proof. There's more evidence that the rapture of the church happens before the wrath of God. Now, we're still going to go through the birth pains. I want you all to understand that. The church will go through those birth pains that Jesus talked about in verses 4 through 15 in Matthew 24. But the wrath of God we will not experience if you're a believer. Look what else he says in verse 41. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken and the other left. So we see here that this is the same thing as the last verse. However, Jesus gives us an example and he uses women, right? In this verse, whereas the verse before he uses men. So we see here that in the scripture, male and female is speaking about all of humanity. Same thing. One will be taken, one will be left. Last verse for today, verse 42. Therefore, Jesus says, keep watch. Because you do not know on what day. Some of your Bibles might say, our, your Lord, will come. Jesus is telling us to keep watch. He's giving us a command. Watch out for what? To keep watch on what? All these signs. Right? You see, when Jesus speaks on the rapture, He always says, watch why because he's warning us all the signs that he talked about to his disciples in verses 4 through 15 must take place what he talked about in the lesson today in verse 32 about the fig tree it producing fruit in other words it flourish israel is going to be prosperous right the nation, the people of the jewish people go back into the promised land when all these things happen, he says, you know that the end of this generation, what generation is he speaking about? The church age. But look what else he says. Because you do not know what hour or what day your Lord will come. So you see, we don't know the hour. Jesus tells us we won't know. But we know that he's coming for his church. He's coming for his bride. You see, we need to stay close to God through His Son, Jesus. And the question is this. Do you know our Lord and Savior? Are you submissive towards Him? Right? Do you really know Him? Do you really have a relationship with Him? Do you really repent? Do you follow Him and believe in Him? Do you truly trust in Him? You see, Jesus, Yeshua. He isn't only our Savior, but He must be the Lord of our life. Amen? With that being said, we're going to finish our Bible study today. We'll be back next week. We're going to continue on in the book of Matthew, chapter 24. We really appreciate y'all tuning in and listening. Y'all be a blessing for someone this week. Thanks for, for listening. Love you guys. God bless.